Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we live in a world that is filled with judgment. We know that we are constantly being evaluated by others. And it makes us extremely anxious when we hear that one day you will judge us. Help us to understand what judgment means and what Christ has done about it. We ask in his name. Amen. Chapter 12 of the Gospel of John, after you have Mary washing Jesus' feet and you, you have the Palm Sunday event, Jesus gets into a sermon. This is his final sermon in public with a Jewish crowd. And, you know, when you have a final sermon, you want to say something really important. You want to say something that is crucial, something that will stick in people's brains. And I'm going to save the message, the main point of his sermon, until the conclusion. But notice that it says that people will be judged on the basis of Jesus' words, what he has said. Let's talk about judgment in general. I think most people... Christians and even those outside the church are not real anxious to be judged by an all-knowing, all-seeing God who sees what we do in the dark places in our life, who even can see into the dark recesses of our hearts and minds. As a general rule, we don't like judgment. There's a chain of gyms that started in New York City called Crunch Gym, and their slogan is, no judgments. Yeah, right. I belong to a gym in Forest Grove, and in the weight room, the whole wall is a mirror. When I first came to Forest Grove, probably for about 10 years, I swam three times a week. You want to talk about judgment, stand before people in a bathing suit. <laughs> people judge us by our looks, by our careers, by the cars we buy, the houses we live in. I mean, judgment is everywhere. And you're judging me right now. Where's this sermon going? What's the point? We don't like judgment. That's why what Jesus says in John chapter 5, verse 24 is so important. 
He says, he who hears these words of mine and believes in the one who has sent me will not be judged. You will have eternal life. You have passed from death to life. Now that's interesting because just five verses later, Jesus says, when the dead are raised from the grave, those who have done good will be raised to eternal life and those who have done bad to eternal condemnation. So what's he doing here? There is no judgment when we trust Christ and what he has done and what he has accomplished. When we look to his cross, if you would look at the cover of your service folder, Now, the first time, Jesus did not come to judge, but to save. But at the end of days, the last day, Jesus will be the judge. And you know what that's a picture of? That's a picture of the judge being judged. That he stands in our place and takes the judgment, takes the curse, takes the pain, takes the agony, takes the suffering that we deserve. That's a picture of the judge being judged. And that should give us great confidence. So what about the dead being raised, the good to eternal life and the bad to eternal condemnation? Here's the way it works. You are judged on the basis of your relationship with Jesus Christ, on the basis of your trust in him alone, in his righteousness alone. But your works are evidence of that. Faith without works is dead. One of the sayings, it's not exactly in the confessions, but it comes close. Faith alone saves, but faith is never alone. Faith is a transforming, life-changing experience. And when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can't help yourself. One of Luther's favorite illustrations was that through Christ, through his cross, God pours his love into us, and it is so abundant, so profuse, so amazing, so much that it overflows from us to others. When you've been loved in that way, you can't help yourself but to love and care about others. So the final point in your outline is that judgment changes us today. Do you know who Miroslav Volf is? He's a Croatian. And from October of 1992 until February of 1994, there was the Croatian-Bosnia War. 
And part of that war was absolutely horrendous, the ethnic cleansing of the Muslims, where Christians would go into a village, round up all the men, take them out, have them stand before a mass grave and shoot them so they would fall into the grave. And then they would rape their wives and their daughters. It was horrendous. And Miroslav Volf, the thesis of a book that he wrote is, if there is no God who judges, this life is a free-for-all. There's no limits. So that's why I chose the epistle lesson where Paul says, don't take revenge. The Lord says, vengeance is mine. Miroslav Volf actually says, if we do not have a God who is fair with vengeance, there will never be peace. I'm sure you've heard the saying, John Kennedy liked it, and Robert Kennedy did too. Don't get mad, get even. That's the way our society works. If there's no God and there's no ultimate judgment, it's up to us to square the scales of justice. It's up to us. An eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You know, one commentator, when he came across that passage, he said, if we follow that passage, the whole world's going to be blind. Because we are people who have revenge and payback in our hearts, unless there is a God who impartially and fairly and justly judges the evil, the crimes, the terrible atrocities that this world perpetuates on one another. And I'm sure you all know the story about Alexander Dobin, who is called Vladimir Putin's conscience or heart. His daughter, Darla, was killed in an automobile explosion. And he said publicly, we want vengeance. We want to hurt those people. We want to terrorize those people who killed my daughter. If you don't have a God of vengeance, it's up to you. This is just one passage from Paul's writings. He says this all over the place. Don't confront evil with evil. Don't look for payback. Rather, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. How can you do that? 
You can do that because we were God's enemies. And yet he sent his son to the cross to suffer horrendous torture and agony and pain and even being abandoned by his father, being forsaken. so that we might be God's friends. We can treat our enemies with kindness and grace and dignity because that's what God did for us. And we were his enemies. Now, let me conclude with the aforementioned and promised summary of Jesus' sermon. You do know that when you preach your final sermon, ta-da, you're trying to say something really important that will stick in people's minds. The essence of Jesus' sermon is in response to the question of the Greeks. You know, Philip and Andrew bring a group of Greeks who are worshiping in Jerusalem during the Passover, and they bring the request to Jesus, these Greeks want to see you. They want to know what you're about. And Jesus says, now is the time for the glory of God to be revealed. I'm going to die. Say what? That's the good news? That's what these Greeks want to hear? If you want to see the essential me, if you want to understand what I'm about, go to the cross. And if you remember two weeks ago, the cross says essentially two things, one thing negative and one thing positive. First of all, the cross condemns the ruler of this world, the devil, he condemns the devil's schemes that he plants in our hearts and minds that if I do this, my life will be successful. If I buy this, my life will be worthwhile. If I accomplish this, my life will have significance. And Jesus says, the cross condemns all of your self-made efforts to make your life righteous, worthwhile, significant, valuable. Okay, Jesus, but we need that. That's our deepest, most heartfelt need. You know that. We know that. Then Jesus says something positive. He says, when I am lifted up on the cross, I will draw all men to myself. My love will be so amazing, so powerful, so outlandish, so otherworldly, that it will attract you and it will reach deep into yourself and meet your deepest need to be loved and valued, to be accepted and forgiven. That's Jesus' message in his final sermon. And he says, those are the words that I've just spoken to you on the basis of which you will be judged. Are you looking to yourself? Are you in a self-salvation project? Are you the one who is going to redeem your life 
from the slavery to sin and death? Are you the one who is going to make your life worthwhile for all eternity? Are your efforts and your accomplishments and the thing you acquire, is that going to make you a worthwhile, significant person forever? No. The only thing that will accomplish that is my cross. My glory, the outpouring of the Father's love. The judge has been judged in your place. Death has been defeated through death that you might have life, new life now, and eternal life forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we hear these final words of Jesus, the final words of his public ministry, and we ask that you would send your spirit to warm our hearts, transform our minds and lives through the energy, the electricity of faith, of trusting in Jesus and what he has done, what he has accomplished through his cross. We ask in his name, amen.